Hello and welcome to another episode of Broke Bitch Anonymous. It is two, 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 two. It is the 22nd day of the second month of 2022 today. And apparently today is supposed to be a very powerful day for manifesting, for, you know, bringing whatever good energy that you hope to cultivate into your life, um, for alignment of different goals, all of that stuff. If you spend any time on spiritual TikTok, I guess we'll call it, you're probably more than aware of the fact that it is 2-2-2-2022. And I don't know how much of all of that stuff I really believe, but I do think that there is, uh, I do think that there's some significance to it, at least in the fact that your thoughts and the way you think about your life and yourself do tend to reflect on how your life actually is. So if nothing else, there is some significance in your thoughts and how your life turns out. And you can call that manifestation. You can call that whatever you want to call it, but, um, it's not completely unrelated. It's not complete bullshit. And I know that I have been really bad this month with recording. This has been my worst month. Usually I've never really missed a week, even on the weeks that I was late. I've still been able to somehow get my shit together enough to do it every week because to be honest, recording this every week is something that has been really important to me and I just want to keep the momentum of this podcast going. So skipping multiple weeks was really not something that I had planned whatsoever. Uh, The reason I did it is because I've been working on something that... I'm really, I guess I'm going to sound a little bit too deep in this spiritual whatever stuff, but I, I've had things go wrong for me after I've, I've announced them before they've been fully completed. So with this, it's such a big thing that I didn't want to talk about it until it was fully done. But I'm realizing now as I'm literally a few days away from closing the deal that everything is good to go. And there's really nothing. I mean, knock on wood, I'm not going to say that, but everything is good to go. And really, it's a very exciting thing. And I think it's going to better my life in just like a million different ways. It's probably going to be the best. It's definitely the best investment I've ever made so far. And uh, yeah, I guess I'll just come out and say it. It's really not that big of a deal, but I am in the process of buying a house a townhouse to be exact. And I close on Friday. So on Thursday, we have the final walkthrough. And then on Friday, I get the keys and it's Tuesday today. So for the last couple of weeks, I've really been like in nesting mode. And not only have I been dealing with, you know, the paperwork of closing on a house, but also like I bought it cash. So sending the money and, and all of that stuff and like the walkthroughs and the inspections and There's just a lot of back and forth that ends up happening and that's consuming in itself. And then with the attorneys and all of that stuff in the emails and you want to make sure you don't miss anything. But also what's more consuming, at least for me, is just like all of the ideas that I've had behind buying this house, which is like I barely have any furniture, first of all. So I'm buying a, you know, three bedroom, four bathroom, three story situation. Like I didn't even think about furniture when I first 
put an offer on the place. I was just like, I just want my own space. I just don't want to rent anymore. I just want to park this money that I hustled my fucking life for. Not my life, but like, not that I killed myself for this money, but I really worked my ass off. I, I just want you know, my own space. I'm so sick of apartment applications. I'm so sick of roommates. I'm so sick of Airbnb. I'm so sick of not having a real permanent address, especially like I'm 29, but I'm about to be 30 way too soon. And it really just felt like it was time to buy something. And because I finally had enough money to do it, I was like, I can buy, you know, a fucking dumbass purse. Well, a few of them and the watch I really want. And then I can have some money left over and I can start a business and I can do, you know, a few things or I can buy a fucking house because prices are only going up. And it still was, you know, I'm not overextending myself, but I'm just about overextending myself and buying this. Like I have to hustle from the ground up again, but this time at least I have a really big investment to my name. But I just made a decision. I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna buy something. And the way that this happened, I was looking for a few months and I, I think I had talked about it and I didn't want people to think I was full of shit saying like, Oh, I'm going to buy a house. And like, I don't buy anything. And you know, it's just one of those things, those things you talk about, you never do. So I had been looking for a few months as I was mentioning it casually. And I had actually put in a couple offers on a few places. And I'm honestly so grateful that those all fell through because with this one, I put an offer in, like I saw it on a Friday and Friday is usually the day that like all of the, like that's when the seller stops accepting offers and they, if they're trying to, they've gotten multiple offers, then they usually, you know, stop by like 5 PM on a Friday or something like that. And then they review them on the weekend and they choose the best one. Sometimes that's how it works, at least to my understanding. So I saw this on Friday, like in the afternoon and immediately I was like, it's perfect. Like it's multi-story. I have the whole lower level. I'm going to build a whole podcast studio. I'm so like, you guys already I ordered this like really nice camera a tripod studio lighting like we're gonna do video I'm gonna have like real guests on it's gonna be so much fucking better it honestly makes me want to cry like when I actually think about it it's just been such a fucking grind but I'm just so excited when I saw it I was like it's just perfect because I can just use the first floor just fully for that and it's like in a gated community. So, you know, it doesn't really matter who comes over or anything like that because I don't really have to worry about people knowing as much where I live because they can't get in. You know, it's a gate. So obviously it's not foolproof, but still it's more security. And then the second and third floor, like it's four bathrooms. There's, you know, multiple bedrooms. I can rent one of the rooms out. Like I have my own, my full, like, space, it's just, like, there's a big deck, it's, it's, like, it was so perfect, as soon as I saw it, I was, like, and it was just, like, literally just my max budget, um, and I was, like, I have, like, I want this, like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I want this, and apparently they got 27 offers, 27 offers, that is how psychotic real estate is right now, 27 offers and they chose mine and I think they chose it because I have a really good agent that I just found her online I didn't really know anything about her or who I was going with it's just like when we first started seeing homes she was she's my age she's actually a couple years younger than me she you know 
was down to, she understood my situation and she was down to just, I didn't even have a car. First of all, when we started seeing places, she would like drive me to different homes or apartments and stuff. And we realized we had similar tastes. So she would even take me to places that I didn't ask to see. And she really gave me a really, really good idea of what's out there. And I just liked her from the jump, but I didn't know that other people also fucked with her and that they knew her and that even though she's young, she was already been establishing herself as somebody, you know, a force to be reckoned with in Atlanta real estate. And so I think they chose us because of her, like because they she already had a relationship with the selling agent. I don't know why. And then also because I'm paying cash. So that's better, I guess, because you don't have to deal with the mortgage and all of that stuff. So Either way, I'm not even going to question it, but they chose us and uh, yeah, we close on Friday and I really like not only have I been running around just everywhere like a chicken with my head cut off to every furniture store and Walmart and Target and getting things together and planning and planning the paint and planning the furniture assembly and you know, getting the Wi-Fi hooked up and the hydro and the gas and like the insurance and, you know, there's a million different things. But also, I really just wanted to keep it to keep it under wraps until like it felt really done. And I just can't wait till Thursday. But today, I don't know, I wasn't going to record. I was just like, let me just wait. But fuck it. I've realized in these couple of weeks as I've taken a little break, podcasting is like anything. I mean, it's like writing. It's like any skill. The more you do it, the better you are at it for the most part. And I have so much respect for people that just get on the mic and just talk regardless of what's going on in their own lives and their personal lives. And they can just compartmentalize it and just, you know, do the work. And also, I'm so grateful for those people because at least it's given me something to, you know, just listen to and like makes life a little bit better. But for me, I haven't figured out a way yet. I'm not as I'm not as professional. I'm not as good with that yet. But I know with this new space, like I know it's going to be different. And but I've realized as I am now, you know, stepping into this new space, both metaphorically and truly stepping into a new home that I own for the first time ever in my life that I just haven't wanted to bring any negative energy, any sort of exhausted, weird vibes into this new space. And so even today I was thinking about going to the club and I didn't do it because I just, I didn't feel like it. And something in me was just telling me to just chill. I probably should have gone to be honest because my life has been really expensive lately with everything and the closing costs and the furniture and everything, but I just didn't feel like it. And I've taken another prolonged accidental break from the club. It really just hasn't felt like the right time. I think in a couple of weeks, I'll go back sporadically again just to run up a little bag and honestly I miss some of my customers like some of them are actually really cool and I don't hate hanging out with them there is a rush that comes from it and uh, it's not it's not the worst place in the world all the time but today and this week and last week I've just I don't know I I don't want to move into my new house feeling like just a stripper or something. I've been very conscious of, I guess, self-improvement 
because this home really feels like an extension of my new self in a way. And I've realized in this sort of self-improvement journey that I guess I'm undertaking not only because of this this new place, but also because y'all know that like I was going through a heartbreak, like a bad, like a bad heartbreak. And it's not like this is my first heartbreak. It was my, I'm going to say it was probably like my third serious heartbreak. And honestly, after this, like, I feel like I'm maxed out. I just cannot, I'm emotional. My emotional budget has been spent. Like I cannot afford, I don't know. I'm, I, I don't think I have it in me to go through another thing like this. And I don't even think I could. I feel like emotionally just fucking exhausted. And there's very little at this point that could shock me right now. But obviously I wanted that guy to come back. Obvi- like, obviously I was still hung up on him and I was still very much not over it. And I think that came both from a place of ego, which like not wanting to be so flat out rejected. And it also came from like an emotional attachment to him that was unhealthy, definitely. And also not wanting to accept that like we're all, I would like to say, but definitely for me, I'm looking for my person. Like I'm looking for the person that compliments me that I can ideally spend the rest of my life with, or at least a good chunk of my life with. I'm looking for someone, you know, to get married and have kids. Like that's really, truly what I want. And unfortunately, the truth is like, you're not probably going to meet that person that you deserve when you're not the best version of yourself yet. And when I met this person that really broke my heart, I was not the best version of myself whatsoever. My life was literally in fucking shambles. I had just come to Atlanta. I had had like a miscarriage. I had pretty much no money. I hadn't been working because COVID had been going on for a year. And I had been going back and forth between New York and Canada. I lost my job as a food writer. I lost my job as a music writer. I was doing some bummy freelance A&R shit, but barely enough to get by. I didn't have a car. I didn't have my own place. I had given my place up in New York to move in with a guy. And then I had, you know, everything was just not, I did not have my shit together whatsoever. I was just starting to dance secretly. I didn't even know how to be good at it. So I wasn't even making like real, real big money yet I was like truly just figuring it the fuck out and thankfully this man like let me stay with him and was just you know pretty much not asked me to stay with him but was just so welcoming and didn't want me to stay where I was staying which was like a really shitty pretty much like communal Airbnb in East Atlanta like he was just like what the fuck are you doing like just stay with me it's better you know what are you doing and an emotional attachment that was very strong formed. But unfortunately, like I was not the best version of myself at all. I wasn't even half of at where I'm at now. And me saying, you know, I want my person like, I feel like only now am I finally even beginning to step into a space where maybe I can meet someone that will like, make me happy and actually have the emotion that actually has the emotional capacity to like communicate and improve my life just the way in the same way that I want to improve his life like 
back then, last year, I just didn't have enough shit going on at all. And I'm realizing now, as I've been like fiending for this person to come back, because he texted me apologizing and I'm going to not get into it because I want to give him look at me. I'm, I'm literally so like, why am I loyal to people that fucking fuck me over all the time? I don't know, but, um, I don't want to like expose everything that was said. I feel like it's private, but he texted me apologizing and you know, I don't know what he was looking for exactly. It doesn't matter. I didn't see him. It's whatever. I mean, it's not whatever, but it just is what it is. Like people come back. It's what happens, especially guys. Men always fucking come back for anyone that is heartbroken listening to this. Men always come back. They always come back. It's sad, but it just, that's a fact. And it just made me realize like, as we were talking, he's like, damn, you've really like, I mean, he didn't, I don't even know how he said it, but I could tell in the way that he spoke about me and his comments about how my life seems to have changed and has changed, like I've kind of leveled up a little bit and bossed up. And to be honest with you, like that felt like the best, not the best revenge, but there's so much vindication in that. There felt like there was so much vindication in that because it's like, you're never going to leave me you're never going to like fi- find me where you left me. You're never, I'm never going to be in the same shitty place. Like you think you were going to just walk out of my life and ghost me and tell me you're talking to someone else and completely leave me in the fucking cold alone. Like crazy, like looking crazy, down bad, calling you from a text free number. You think you're going to leave me like that? I'm going to stay like that. No, fuck you. Like I bought a house. Like I'm like, I'm way more lit now. Like yes, I went to Aspen, like, I'm traveling, like, I'm doing this shit, you're not gonna leave me there and think I'm gonna stay there, like, no, even if I'm still emotionally attached, like, I'm light, like, I, I don't know, the, the self-improvement, as little as it's been so far, not little, let me not demean everything I've done, but it, you know, it hasn't been colossal, I still haven't achieved the things that I really want and the things that I envision for myself, in this year, I mean, there's a lot that's coming. I don't even, I'm not even going to add, I hope to the end of that. There's a lot that's coming and I have barely scratched the surface, but still that, that self-improvement. And even, I feel like I've lost a little bit of weight. Like I've been taking better care of myself. I've been just maintaining myself and caring about how I walk around in the world a little bit more even that, like, I don't know if this is me thinking too much about it, but I feel like self-improvement is like, is it like the only noble pursuit? I don't know. Like when you improve yourself, you make everything becomes better. When you improve yourself, both like internally, so doing whatever emotional decluttering and or if you want to call it shadow work or reflecting or praying or all of it like when you improve that when you do some emotional maintenance and also improve externally like working out more taking your vitamins just overall being healthy like if it makes you feel good getting your nails done getting your lashes done getting new hair whatever like all of those things losing weight like I feel like you 
maybe you can, I understand the tendency to want to say that's shallow or self-indulgent to focus too much on yourself because that's how I was raised. Like never focus too much on yourself. You know, that's petty, just bullshit. Focus on the bigger stuff. Put yourself last. If anything, like my mother was somebody who always put herself last. Like I remember we also didn't have a lot of money, but I remember like going for lunch and my mom like wouldn't get anything. She would just like eat my leftovers because she felt bad ordering something for herself. Like that's crazy. And I, you're a kid, so you don't realize what's really going on. You don't quantify it. You think it's normal. You have nothing really to compare it to. But my, like my mom never did like skincare. She never, ne- she just never, she put herself last. And in a way, I'm will forever be grateful to her because she gave me such a leg up in life like truly especially even like me being born in Canada instead of fucking Poland like she really gave me so many advantages that she didn't have but she also like seeing her be like that it it just instilled in me to like always not put myself first but I think what I've realized especially in the last month and some change is that when you actually do put yourself first you benefit everyone around you. Like your relationships improve, your interactions with just, you know, the random people you have to interact with every day improve. Like your everything gets better, like probably even your driving gets better cuz you're more fo- you're more present. Like everything just becomes a little bit calmer and better and you just you become more aware of how you're moving through the world and then also physically like when you improve yourself especially for women I feel like self-improvement is one of the only types of improvement or investments really no let's call it an investment self-improvement is one of the only investments that you can really make that is guaranteed to pay dividends like when you improve your appearance and when you improve yourself internally so you can carry yourself in a way that you just understand your emotions a little bit more. It's a little bit more dignified. You can articulate how you're feeling a little bit better. People will want to be around you more. And I know I've talked about like sugar daddies and men paying for shit in the past, obviously on on this podcast. Not only will those things be easier because you look good and people will want to invest in you, but also your genuine, real not transactional relationships will also improve and you'll probably be able to find somebody that I don't know you always wanted but maybe they weren't interested in you before I don't know I just feel like self-improvement and focusing on yourself finally for the first time in my life I actually understand how necessary it is and I really wish I had realized this sooner like reflecting on my 20s now I mean what a disaster what a fucking dumpster fire but I'm just realizing, like, I, first of all, looked like shit for most of my 20s. I drank way too much. I was bloated. And I just thought that, like, that's how I looked. I didn't, like, I was looking through pictures, even living in New York two summers ago. And all of the years before then, when I was writing about wine, when I was working at a wine bar, when I was partying in college, like, all of it, I was just fucking drunk 
and bloated and thinking that that was normal, that that was just being in a perpetual mild hangover and state of dehydration was just the normal way to be. And having your skin just look kind of shitty because you're drinking way too much was just that's that was the default state. And I'm realizing like that's not normal. <laughs> and it sucks because your 20s, you're supposed to be so hot. And now I see on, you know, TikTok and all that, all these like hot 20 year olds that have seem to have their lives figured out a little bit more, or at least they present that to social media. But for me, I was just a bumbling drunk idiot. And then internally, I did not have the capacity to really understand or admit my own desires, I think, and admit what I really wanted and then see a way to go after it. Like, I really had, I think, for a while resigned myself to being essentially a permanent renter who would probably never make it in America, who, I mean, I had big dreams, but I just did not see a path to getting to them. I just couldn't envision how it could possibly work out other than writing a best-selling novel and having a New York Times bestseller and pretty much just rising like a phoenix from the ashes. But as the years went on, I realized more and more that that is very unlikely in this current state. And, you know, meanwhile, I spent the majority of my 20s working in fucking media. What a, what a, what a sad, what a sad choice. If I could only rewind... And I mean, I say that half ironically, but I do think that it's bizarre that, I mean, media is in just such a shit state right now, I think. Like CNN, Fox, whatever outlet you choose to consume, it just feels more and more like nobody is choosing any of them because they're realizing not necessarily the lies behind them, but some element of deceit and oversimplification. Like when you watch the news versus looking at social media, on social media, you're able to see a lot more of an unfiltered perspective, obviously. And on the news, not only are they usually late compared to social media, which is an instant reaction to everything, but they're also, don't get me wrong, there's a time and a place for something like you know, BBC or something like that to confirm a big event that a random small blog does not have the credibility to do that. But at the same time, there's just something really weird going on right now with fact checking after COVID, with what you're allowed to say, with a narrative that doesn't really fully make sense anymore. And I don't necessarily want to get into all of that, but it does feel like more people are turning to alternative sources. Like that's why somebody like Joe Rogan is so powerful. And obviously he's been under like a lot, a lot, a lot of, a lot of fire, but to think that 10 years ago I made a conscious decision and genuinely believed that working in media, traditional broadcast media was not only the way forward, but the correct answer to how I wanted to spend my life is absolutely absurd. And the irony of media pretty much disintegrating in front of our faces is that social media has never been 
and will continue, I think, to be even more powerful than ever. And it's funny now, like making this transition from working in media to finally admitting to myself that I would like to continue this semi-career in social media and expand it to YouTube and all these other things. And that not only is it more fruitful than working in broadcast traditional media, where the most I ever made was probably like, well, probably like $45,000, the most I ever made when I was a full-time writer, doing TV appearances, doing everything, which is not a lot of money. $45,000 Canadian is not a lot of money to the maximum amount you can make on social media. Like, these kids are millionaires. These kids are multi-millionaires living in mansions in the hills. They don't give a fuck about like some random journalist that is toiling away at their computer. Like they don't, it's night and day and it's just changed so much in the last 10 years. And I, I really feel like my generation has really watched it change. And the idea that I have spent the majority of my twenties working in media, I'm like, Oh God, somebody like, Jesus fucking Christ. And the irony of it, or I don't know if you want to call it irony, but if it wasn't for COVID hitting in 2020, I probably would have kept going because I had no reason to pull the plug. It still paid my bills. I was still relatively comfortable. As much as I didn't want to live in an apartment with a roommate anymore, I saw no feasible possible exit plan and I was comfortable. And sometimes when you're comfortable, that's the worst thing that could possibly happen to you. And when I lost my job as a food columnist and then proceeded to lose my job as a freelance music writer, I just basically I feel like I was thrown to the wolves and had to figure it the fuck out. And it's funny now seeing the pandemic ending and seeing people panicking about what to do next, because I think, you know, in some ways the pandemic seemed to like relieve a lot of people from the responsibility and pressures of being somebody or doing something with your life. Like as much as we complained about it, there was a really nice kind of, well, fear filled, but still relatively nice gap of time where the government was handing out wads of cash and COVID could be your go-to excuse for why you couldn't pursue your dreams or why you hadn't why you weren't at where you were wanting to be or supposed to be yet. COVID really like relieved people from the pressures of achievement. And I'm genuinely grateful now looking back on it that I got fired from those positions. I know that it's a really weird route to be a columnist and a TV personality and then become a stripper like that's not really the that's not really the life path that you're supposed to take it feels a little bit backwards but at the same time I bought a house and I could have never done that I could have never done that with my previous salary and not only did I buy a house but like my life experience is so much more interesting now. If I ever go back to writing about food or music, I'm a better person for all the bullshit that I've dealt with. Like, I'm... Well, I hope... I think I'm about to be comfortable again. I can't fucking wait, actually. But being uncomfortable is something that I think a lot of people avoid, but is the key to making yourself a 
better person. Like you have to go through periods of extreme discomfort and extreme not knowing. Oh my God, I just saw somebody reverse, like doing like 60 miles per hour, like driving in reverse only in fucking Atlanta. Anyway, what I was saying is that when people ask me, (laughs) no, I don't know. What I was saying was that self-improvement is something that really does pay dividends in your life. And if anyone that's listening to this feels bad about, still feels away or feels bad about focusing on themselves, if there's anything you take away from me, please don't feel bad. Like, don't let anyone call you selfish because all of the energy you put into yourself eventually it's going to come back around it's going to everyone around you it's 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 coming back to you it it's just like it's the least selfish thing you can do i mean of course you know if you have kids if there's you have dependents like i understand you can't just only focus on yourself but as much as you can i think i just think it's so important and i'm so grateful to have been given this space now over the last few months to like focus on myself a little bit and stop being somebody that wasn't necessarily a people pleaser, but just that always, I feel like I was like running on an uphill treadmill, hamster wheel thing, just trapped in a cycle of like trying to keep up and trying to please people around me. And it's not like I'm now not floundering. I think for a majority of the last decade, minus the parts where I had a stable job or some kind of stable employment, even then though, I think deep down, I still felt that kind of gnawing anxiety of feeling like you're floundering, of feeling like you are not doing everything you could be doing to be living your best life, but also not knowing exactly what those steps even are or look like and always asking yourself like once you get to the the thing that you wanted always asking yourself like okay how do I maintain this how do I what is the what is the purpose of this like what am I supposed to really be doing And how do I marry that with being able to pay my bills? Like, I'm still asking myself these questions now because, like, I still have bills to pay. And I spent a majority of my money on this house and then furnishing it. Like, I need to get back in the club, I guess. Or I need to figure out another way to make money, real money. And I don't really want to be you know, renting out half my house to random people on Airbnb, at least not in the beginning while I'm just setting it up. Like, so I need to figure it out. And it's like this constant sense of floundering a little bit. And I'm wondering at what point do you stop feeling like this? Is it when your purpose starts paying your bills? I guess that must be the point. But how many people actually find that? 
And if you don't find that, do you just at one day wake up and and turn the the floundering switch off and you're just like, fuck it, I'm just enjoying myself now. We're just going to enjoy this. We're going to stop worrying. We're going to stop feeling like we need to find something bigger. We're going to stop even entertaining that gnawing feeling at the pit of your stomach that you get sometimes when there's nothing else going on and you just sort of think about your life and you just realize you're just sort of floundering. Like, do you just decide to ignore it one day if it's been so much time and nothing has changed? I don't know. I still feel like I'm floundering in a lot of ways, but just less. And at least there's some more stability than there was before. And I say all of that to say that I've been thinking a lot about this one question that my friend asked me last week. And it was a really weird question. I really didn't know how to answer it. And I don't know if it's a cringy question because I would not qualify or quantify or describe myself as this. But he asked me, he's like, he was, I guess he was going through my Instagram and the old pictures I have in there because I've archived some stuff because I used to just post like every cheeseburger I've ever eaten in my life. But I still kept a lot of the old stuff up there because First of all, I'm not ashamed of anything I've ever done. And second, like, I want people to understand the path that my life has taken. I don't want to feel like I'm completely starting from scratch or reinventing myself as much as I have reinvented myself a few times. Like, the people I was before, the person I was before, the jobs I had before, like, they're still part of me. And I just, I want people to see it. So I never archive nothing, even the posts that I look kind of crazy and, like, you'll see bloated as fuck and just, like, a loser. I just kept them up because like I think that it's just part of the story and I, I I don't know I'd rather just keep it up so anyway he was going through my old posts and this is a close friend of mine shout out to you he literally let me sleep on his floor in New Jersey like literally let me sleep on his basement floor when I didn't have anywhere to go before I came to Atlanta on a one-way spirit ticket um so thank you for that I will forever be grateful <laughs> and if y'all don't believe me I will post maybe I'll post a picture on Instagram of uh that but um anyway so he him and I are like close friends like just friends but close friends and uh he was going through my old pictures and he's like Claudia I'm just curious like when did you decide to be a bad bitch like when did you decide to flip the switch and be a bad bitch because you weren't always a bad bitch and I was like First of all, what what the fuck does that mean? What do you mean? But also, it was never conscious decision so much as it was realizing that the more I improved myself, the better my life got to some extent. Like, as much as men and women, I don't know, just people will try to belittle you for caring about your hair and shopping and your nails and all of that stuff when you focus on those things the end product is going to be a shinier better version of you to for the most part especially if you're also doing the internal work that is necessary to be a less insufferable better person like you can't just of course sit around manifesting your best self all day you have to actually get out of bed and go and do the things that are going to make you a better version of yourself. Um, 
And so when he asked me this, he's like, you should talk about it on your podcast. Like, talk about when you decided to become a bad bitch. And while there was really no one time, I do vividly remember slowly stepping into this space of something that I would describe as just like slightly more feminine than I was before and not apologizing for it. Like, starting to always have my nails done, starting to care about my clothes a little bit more, starting to invest in myself a little bit more, whether that was, you know, workout classes or a little purse here and there or things like that. Because also, like, not that flexing is necessary. I know it's stupid and I know we live in a very hollow, shallow culture of just flexing on Instagram and real life doesn't really add up to the Instagram post that you usually see. And I don't want to feed into that, but I also don't think it hurts to flex a little bit and to show where your hard work is going sometimes if it makes you happy. And I realized that it made me a little bit happy. And I remember stepping into that space of like, I'm just gonna not, I'm not just gonna be this like food writer that has like really dorky oversized glasses and never wears makeup and just wears like frumpy sweaters all day because I don't want people to think I'm like not a serious food writer. I'm actually going to like do these things that I watch other women do that I think look nice and that I want for myself. But for one, I've never wanted to spend the money on them. And for two, I always wanted people to like take me as as like a serious journalist. And I remember stepping into this space of doing those things, like getting my hair and my nails and a little designer here and there and whatever, posting little, you know, pictures on Instagram, like little cute fit pics and maybe a little bikini picture here and there. And I remember feeling really awkward about it at first, like almost apologetic. And I think my natural nature is to be apologetic. Maybe it's like being Canadian or like the way I was raised. I don't know. But I always have apologized way too much in my life for shit that I really had no business apologizing for. But I remember at first when I was still living in Toronto, doing all of these little things and becoming more feminine and really worrying that people were going to judge me for it. And a lot of people did. Like, undeniably, a lot of people will judge you. But at the same time, just making a conscious decision that I was just going to do whatever felt right for me, not overdo it. Like, I've never... And this is nothing against people that have done this, but like I've never had any like serious work done or anything like that to make myself look more of one way or another way just because I don't like needles and I don't like surgery. But, you know, not overdoing it and not trying to change who I was, but like just improving myself a little bit and seeing what would happen. And it's a weird world that you step into when you start doing that because like I I don't know man like I guess now it was ancient history so long ago but one of my old bosses like he tried to date me after I kind of started leveling up a little bit and we had a little relationship he was still my boss at the time whatever and a lot of people a lot of men when you're in the workplace the professional workplace which I used to be in will not really know how to act or respond when you go from being this like 
mousy girl that just wanted to kind of fit in to then being somebody that is actually like more feminine and like a bad bitch your dynamics and your relationships just inevitably change but but I guess what you realize is that the world is not as complicated as it's sometimes made to seem and that men are relatively simple and that they respond well to pretty women and that you actually can get a lot more from life sometimes if you look nice and I don't know I don't know why I say all of that but when he was asking me this question he's like when did you decide like to be a bad bitch but also like be lit on Instagram and be dated by rich men and be on the scene and all of that and it was never a conscious decision. And to be honest, I still wouldn't describe myself as somebody that's lit on IG and on the scene and all of that, but at least not that much. But I guess it gave me some satisfaction because all of those things, as I inched closer towards them, felt slightly less ordinary than the ordinary shit that I was doing before. And it's not that there's anything wrong with being ordinary, but it's like people, when they ask me if I, if I only date famous guys, like, first of all, fuck no. But also the appeal of someone who's famous, I understand it because people who either are famous or are striving, fame is just like a way that we quantify success in America or like in the Western world or everywhere really. But like fame is just one measure of success. But what fame really signifies, at least to me, is that you tried or you did something that made you not average. You strove probably, unless your fame was a complete fluke accident, but 99% of the time it's not. You wanted something above the ordinary. And that to me is like inherently appealing and attractive. And as I've gotten older, I've realized that you don't have to be famous, obviously, to have those qualities. There's a lot of successful people that are not famous that have also built their lives in a way that are not ordinary, that, you know, they do have like different luxuries. They do have more ambitions. They do just they've built beautiful lives for themselves. Fame is not at all the only quantifier of it. And frankly, dating quote unquote famous guys, first of all, is, I mean, what do you even call dating? Because half the time, at least in my experience, I'm going to be completely honest with you, they just want to fuck. And if you actually do end up dating them seriously, then I mean, you're, I don't, I don't know. Like you have to accept they're probably going to have girls on the side almost certainly. And I don't know, I can't even really speak on that, to be honest with you. But for me, the idea of like dating like a lit famous person is like kind of terrible, in a sense, not terrible, I would do it if it if it was natural, if it naturally happened. But the point is like, the appeal is that you don't want a boring ordinary life not that there's anything wrong with having a boring ordinary life let me remove the word boring from it not that there's anything wrong with having an ordinary life I think most people actually 
probably have the best outcome when they do the ordinary thing of like buying a house, having kids, being a part of a community. Like I want all of those things too. Desperately, I want those things. That's why I bought a fucking house. But I still need some element of like feeling like there is something more, you know? And I think that something more is different for everyone. But for me, God, it's not fucking Instagram, but all of those things. And as my friend said, it being a bad bitch felt like they were at least inching closer to something more. And it also felt like I could prove to people, and I'm not the only person at all by any means who's done this, but that I could prove to people that you don't have to be one thing or the other, like I can still be a great writer and hopefully have a big ass, really successful podcast and be a quote unquote bad bitch. Like you can do both. You can have it both ways. You don't have to be like this frumpy, mousy girl to be a good writer. And you don't have to be an airhead to be a bad bitch. You can be both and people will question it and you'll make people uncomfortable because a lot of people don't want you to have both, but you still can. And the more people that are uncomfortable, the more, like, you're probably doing something fucking right. So congratulations. (laughs) 